Welcome to the wrestling podcast that's not just for wrestling fans. This is Smart and Friends on the Two Finger Guns Club Network. My name is Zach and I'll be your host. The wrestling world is in mourning right now after the loss of a great talent and a better man. As we all process the loss of John Hubber, better known to the world as Brody Lee and as Luke Harper, wrestling television and social media is awash in tributes for Hubber. Among those tributes was a mural painted in neon colors out of London that captured the attention of the wrestling scene. It has been celebrated and retweeted by so many who love John, including Cody Rhodes, John Cena, and of course Amanda Hubber. I'm joined today by the artist behind this mural, David Speed, joins me on today's episode. We briefly speak about his background in the arts and his wrestling fandom, but our focus really is on what inspired him to paint this piece and what it was that made Brody Lee so special. It was a great conversation, but it was an emotionally challenging one to have. And again, I say that as just a humble fan. It's really amazing the impact this guy had on the world around him. We're going to share that conversation with you shortly after these messages. Recording. That's right. That theme means the return of the Two Finger Guns Club presents 28 and 28, a challenge to release one podcast a day for the month of February. Here's some creative and new ideas from hosts of Smark and Friends, Rocketman Explorers, and Foulmouth. We're even throwing in a couple of one-offs so you don't have to go a day without us. Catch TFGC Presents 28 and 28 wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, and follow Two Finger Guns Club on social media to stay up to date on the latest releases. And we're back. Joining me today via the World Wide Web is a mural artist out of London, David Speed. David, thank you so much for being part of the show. Zach, thank you for having me, mate. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. How are you doing? I'm good. It's um, Corona time, but um, Corona you know, time. we're all doing what we can. Um, being a professional artist, um, I've always said that getting people to pay for art is, is one of the hardest jobs in the world. Um, and during a global pandemic, that's still very much true. But, you know, just doing what I can to uh, try and keep the lights on and, and try and keep sane. I suppose um, for me, creativity is so good for mental health. And so the more I'm able to paint, the more uh, the more switched on I'm able to be. So, yeah, just trying to, to spend my time being as creative as possible so I don't get into that funk of the corona funk that we've all we've all had at some point or another. Yeah, that resonates with me a lot. I uh, like this podcast used to be very seasonal distribution, like, you know, we'd release batches of episodes, go on break and whatnot. But now that, you know, there's free time and just a need to express myself. I'm glad that like, you know, we have these outlets such as podcasting, such as artistry and any kind of like way you can just express yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And as mentioned, like before our break, uh, your work recently caught the attention of the wrestling scene. You did this beautiful tribute to the late Brody Lee painted in neon. You've been doing mural work for, for some time now. Um, why did you gravitate towards that mural and graffiti work? So, yeah, so I've been using a spray can to create work for the past 20 years. I actually started as a graffiti artist in London. Um, I, I initially started painting on walls that were legal, walls where you were sort of allowed to make work. And gradually during the early 2000s, those were being shut down. And I was sort of faced with this choice of either carry on doing the artwork that I love or um, like, like and, and basically risk being arrested or quit. Um, so I chose the, the former. I actually had a career of about 10 years of illegal graffiti. Um, at that stage, a lot of my friends and, and peers were sent to prison for doing graffiti, which um, 
made it sort of very real all of a sudden. And so um, I actually became a professional artist at that point, gave up my illegal career and just started moving more from the graffiti side into what, what now would be classed, classed as street art, but at the time didn't really have a name. Um, so yeah, started making street art. It's been my business for the past 10 years. Um, and I've spent the last 10 years really sort of um, just working on the business and, and just doing commercial projects for commercial clients. Um, it wasn't until coronavirus, well, it wasn't actually until the beginning of 2020 when a couple of my friends sat me down and said, all you do is well, like, work for brands and, and like work for clients. You don't paint any of your own stuff anymore and you should really get back into it and sort of rediscover what you love. And I sort of took it seriously um, I discovered the neon trick of, of how to paint using neon spray paint in 2018. And then I sat on the idea for two years because I'd been too busy sort of doing professional work. And then, yeah, I just got back in touch with my passion when Corona hit because I had all of this time all of a sudden. My business was just, just went really dry. Um, all of the clients stopped calling. So I just had this time and where I thought it was going to be the worst thing that ever could happen it actually turned out to be the best thing because I sort of rediscovered my my passion for painting. Um, and then, I, and I mean, for I'm a lifelong wrestling fan. I've been watching wrestling ever since I was a kid. Um, and so the, the, the like, it's really interesting. Like, I've never really painted any wrestling characters before. I've done the occasional one here and there for fun. Uh, and I've worked for WWE 2K. Um, oh, their video game over in London so I painted a big Seth, Seth Rollins portrait for them um, but for the most part my work hasn't been uh, wrestling related so I was actually like so blown away when I put up because I, I painted the, the mural for myself really it was it was I didn't think anyone on my Instagram was going to know who Brody Lee was because my my following is follows me for my neon pieces not necessarily for wrestling related stuff so I didn't think anyone would see it and the fact that like John Cena posted it yesterday um, makes me makes me feel sad for all the times that I booed John Cena. John, I'm sorry, <laughs> but but like just so that is so crazy to me that I, I honestly didn't think anyone would see it, and the entire wrestling world has seen it, which is just just mind blowing. It's certainly getting a lot of love, and rightfully so. It's a it's a beautiful piece. Um, I was exploring your Instagram feed in preparation for this episode, and uh, one of the first neon portraits you actually shared, uh, you captioned that actually working with neon is a nightmare, but you stuck with it, and now it's pretty much your signature. Uh, what kept you working with it? Yeah, neon spray paint is, is I guess, kind of a gimmick. It's, um, to, use, to use wrestling terminology, um, <laughs> it's... Like there's not really many street artists or graffiti artists that actually use neon paint because I think it exists because people buy it for arts and crafts. And if they want to paint something and make it a bright, poppy neon color, they can use that spray paint. But when it comes to actual street pieces, there's, I mean, I'm the only artist that's actually using it. And I think part of the reason for that is because it's a nightmare to use. It behaves totally differently to traditional spray paint. So when I first picked up a can, I'm expecting it to behave in a certain way that, that cans have behaved in my hands for the past 20 years and all of a sudden it's behaving differently and so that <laughs> threw me off um but yeah i kind of i have stuck with it and i definitely wouldn't say it's a nightmare anymore i am definitely used to it now um but then that comes through i i painted 98 pieces through lockdown so i guess through repetition that's how that's how you build the muscle memory and how, that's how you start to get a, a new material to click 
Right on. Before we like really dive into the Brody piece, um, I also want to bring up, like you say, you haven't really painted a lot of wrestlers, but I did find another one on your Instagram. You painted a giant mural, which is appropriate because it was of Andre the Giant. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, so I, I don't really like that piece because, again, I was still really very much learning how to use neon paint at that point, and I don't think I did a great job. But um, Andre the Giant is um, the subject. I don't know how many people know this, but Obey Giant, the Shepherd Fairy, the street artist, yeah. his logo is actually based on a photo of Andre. And so he used to put stickers around, well, all around the world. He's been on this sticker campaign. And his first sticker said, Andre the Giant has a posse. And that was, that was, I mean, no one was really doing street art back then. Like to see stickers on lampposts now, you don't really even notice them because there's so many. But when Shepard was doing it, it was this kind of new thing. And it was a sort of a way of getting seen and getting known. And he, originally it was Andre the Giant has a posse. And then it was changed to Obey Andre the Giant. And then it just changed to Obey Giant. And now it's even just Obey. Um, and that's how people know him as an artist. But yeah, knowing that it was based on Andre the Giant, he visited London, painted a huge mural. Um, and just seeing a base stuff, I was like, well, from where my canvas is on top of my studio, I've got this big blank wall. I can see a Bay Giant's work in the background. So let me paint an Andre the Giant piece here that's not only a homage to the eighth wonder of the world, but it's also kind of a nod to the street eyes, the Bay Giant, and it's sort of this like full circle thing of one artist recognizing another artist, and we're both re- recognizing this iconic wrestler, and it was just, yeah, it just felt felt like a, a fun thing to do. So uh, that was that was yeah, that was where that piece came from. That's really cool. Like I've seen that you know Obey and uh, Andre the Giant has a posse uh, imagery. Um, it's sort of iconic now, um, and but I never knew the history that that's that's really cool. Yeah, and when you posted it, you also mentioned that you were considering doing more portraits of wrestling icons. Is there uh, is there any other movement on that? Um, so I, it's, it's funny. I've I've got a lot of um, friends who are kind of pushing me, specifically like toy collectors that want to see me um, paint pictures of the of the figures. I actually have a full set of uh, loose, but but not not mint on card. But I have a full set of loose Hasbro, um, the the um, WWF uh, line, and. Um, yeah, it is kind of tempting, but with my artwork, I don't want to go too niche. And after the after the Brody piece blew up, I actually wrote a tweet on my Twitter saying, I really appreciate everyone who's following me, but just please be aware, this is not a pro wrestling account because I don't want them to follow me expecting one thing and then that not being delivered because um, although wrestling is definitely part of my life, it's not really part of my artwork um if something moves me like like the um like the Brody tribute did then then I'm going to make a piece of work and it, it, it that's for me kind of thing but I don't want to have an audience that is kind of just relying on me to do wrestling stuff because I like to I don't want to be like niche down like that I want to have more freedom um it, it's like I've, I've been getting a lot of comments recently saying um paint MF Doom and like doom just wasn't part of my life growing up like i i listened to wu-tang i listened to lots of hip-hop but i never got into ms doom and for me i feel like it would be this is the thing i know it would get a load of likes i know it would get a load of attention i know it would get shared all over the place and it would help my account grow but for me that's kind of insincere it's like i didn't grow up with doom so that's not a tribute i want to make you know so um so there's there's always the I think with anything creatively, there's always when something works for you, there's always the 
temptation to go hard down that route. Um, but just be aware that if you do that, be prepared to make that your thing. And I was not prepared to make wrestling art my thing. So although I love it, I'm definitely going to reference it here and there. But I don't think it's going to be a regular thing. What is it about Brody Lee that made you need to paint his portrait? It's interesting. So obviously I've been aware of Brody's work for, for a long time. Um, and I mean, you can you could write a list right now of, of underpushed talent in the WWE. Um, I mean, the first cut, the one that comes to mind is if you think of someone like Ricochet. Um, mm. I feel like he's, he's a main eventer in any company in the world. And yet he just appears to be completely underutilized. So um, Brody was just another one on that long list of WWE talent that wasn't being properly utilized. Um, nothing unique there, nothing, nothing crazy there. So I was always aware, aware that he was a great wrestler. Um, then seeing him in AEW, it, it was such a light bulb moment of like, we knew anyone who's seen his stuff on the indies knew he was great, but like, this was this was proof and i think it was such a beautiful lesson in the money is not everything and there's so many people in in not just in pro wrestling but in general life that are working a job that they hate but they can't step away from it because of the money that they're getting and i'm not saying that brody hated his time in wwe that's something that only he could talk about but um we do know that he wasn't creatively fulfilled there um, and so to see someone then take that brave step, like to walk away from WWE cash, that's a brave step. To see someone to take that leap, to bravely go to a new company that at the time of him joining, we didn't know that it was going to be the success that it turned out to be. To then go on and in just seven months, I think it's, I think it's phenomenal that in just seven months, he carved out a, a legacy. Like what we will remember is an incredible talent and that's because of what he managed to do in those last few months of his life that to me is absolutely incredible so um but again when he died i didn't instantly think i need to paint this guy it wasn't until i watched that episode of dynamite where they paid tribute to him that was the, that was the key and they celebrated him as a worker of course they were like yeah he he was dope but that was like 10% of that program. Everything else was like, what a, a absolutely rock, sto rock solid, stand up, amazing bloke that he was. And that for me, I was like, I, I was just so moved by that episode. Me and my girlfriend watched it. We, I, I don't think, I have not spoken to anyone who didn't cry during that episode. And yeah. so, yeah. So we were in floods of tears and I had a free day the next day after we watched it. We don't get it here in the UK um, until Friday. And ITV are so crap at uploading it. Sometimes they don't even upload it on time. Anyway, by the time I'd watched it, I had a free day the next day. I was like, because that's funny. It's like all of the other tribute art for Brody was made like instantly and, and on, on the Wednesday when the AEW bought, because we don't get it till, till late in the UK. I didn't feel inspired to do it. But yeah, it was, it was upon seeing the man not the pro wrestler that I wanted to that I wanted to mark him and like I said earlier it was just a painting for me it wasn't I didn't think anyone within wrestling would actually see it the fact that Amanda his wife saw it and likes it and that it could offer a tiny fragment of a smile during what must be the worst period of her life 
that to me makes it fully worth it. And I'm so glad that I spent the day up there honoring this dude. Really, it was just for me, but the fact that it's brought other people joy is, is just huge for me. Absolutely, man. What, what you said just rings true. Like everyone, everyone who watched that, like, I, like I'm, I'm almost tearing up a little bit, just like reliving it as we talk about it right now. It was, uh, it was something else to watch. Uh, what moments from that episode uh, particularly landed hard for you? Now you're going to get, now you're going to get me going. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously all of the sun, all of the stuff with his kids, mm-hmm. um, the, I mean, like a 10 bell salute will never not kick me in the nuts. Um, I think it's, it's the most beautiful way of that profession showing um, honor, honor to a, like a fallen soldier. Um, and maybe that's hyperbole, but I, I, I really do feel that. Um, there's, I, I remember, I remember Eddie's 10 bell salute. And, and if I watch, if I rewatch that, I'll, I'll cry if I see that. So um the Ten Bell Salute, seeing not only the AEW wrestlers, but also all of the backstage uh, members of staff, I thought was really important because that's not something that you typically see. I thought that was really beautiful as well. And, and again, just goes to show how many lives he impacted and how many people just thought he was amazing. Um, I, thought, I thought the matches were fun, um, obviously super predictable. And, and I, I don't mind predictability of pro wrestling. I think um, always trying to go for the swerve is not the one. Uh, sometimes knowing that every single Dark Order member is going to win every single match is fine. So I did not mind that at all. Um, the Seeing the performers, um, I liked, I, I really enjoyed Britt Baker's little nod. I thought that was cute. Um, the And then the promos... Um, for me, it was the Moxley and the Eddie Kingston ones I saw were the best two promos on the show. Um, and I think, yeah, just, just all around the, the best tribute show in wrestling that I've ever seen. Um, and, and just a, a, such a beautiful piece of art that was, was like all props due to Tony Khan, who was just like, fuck getting a rating tonight. I'm just going to put on a dope show, which probably in the long run will actually do phenomenal ratings, I hope. Um, and let's just let's just honor our friend. And I just thought that was amazing. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I, I the whole show it stands as a piece of as a piece of art within itself. And I think having that experience for his kids and them being able to watch back that tape when they're older that says not only was my dad respected in this industry for being great at his job. He was also respected for just being an amazing dad, an amazing family man, and an amazing human being. And you, I mean, I hope someone makes a video like that for me when I go. I mean, that, like that's, that's his legacy. And again, so lucky that he ended up in a company that, that provided that for him. It allowed him seven months of creative freedom. It allowed him some of the best matches of, of his career. A real strong push when he... Uh, debuted and and won the title from Cody straight away. I mean, if you're if you're looking at Luke Harper versus versus Cody Rhodes, their top guy, you think you think well, obviously that Luke Harper is going to do the job. But it wasn't Luke Harper; it was Brody Lee. It was this brand new invention, and he came in and he like on fire, like just brilliant booking. Put him over so strong, and then from there, I don't I don't watch Being in the Elite. I don't have time, but um. 
I do hear that he had had great segments on there and stuff. And just yeah, he he managed to in such a small space of time just leave leave behind a great body of work that people are going to be able to enjoy for years. Absolutely, top to bottom. Well said, man. Um, do you remember the first time that you saw Brody Lee in action? Uh, it would probably be. It would probably be on a raw, on a raw in London. I would imagine because I've been to quite a few, um, and then, and then so for the, I haven't been to WrestleMania for a couple of years, uh, but I used to do like literally a, a yearly pilgrimage over to WrestleMania. And the funny thing is, after a while, me and my girlfriend actually stopped going to Mania, and we would go out for Mania weekend, and we would just do like select independence and then do the the raw um the raw after mania because that that to me is the most fun show of the year um at least it used to be until i i've really sort of lost my way in wwe the past couple of years and i've i've not i've not really kept up but we used to go to um to wrestlemania uh, every year so i wouldn't be able to remember which which years i saw brody but there was definitely like wyatt family stuff that i've seen and um and lots yeah lots of different matches that he's been involved in um, in either Manias or Raw after Manias. Right on. What are some of your favorite memories of, uh, of Brody? Uh, I mean, really, again, it's like, it's like I said, like I never, he was just another guy to me for so long that was being underutilized and underpushed. Um, I didn't really see much of his, his independent career. Um, my most independent stuff that I see is um, RPW in uh, because I'm from East London, so um, that's that's a that's my local basically. So there was this beautiful period a couple of years ago where we were getting like five star matches every time they put on a show, and we were getting like like I saw I've seen Osprey's career, like I've seen him go from progress when like only us UK people saw him, knew who he was, to now this this like amazing performer in New Japan, um, and and so. I, I, I didn't see Brody. I never I, like he didn't come over here. He didn't um, wrestle at any shows that I went to. If he did come over here anyway, um, so I didn't see any of his his independent career. I saw a few bits in WWE where it would have been like mid card match. I would have been entertained. It, it's for me, it's the AEW run. It's like that. That to me is like if I think of Brody in my head, I'm going to be thinking of that dog collar match, which was incredible. Um, I'm going to be thinking of his strong debut, um, him with the TNT title. Just just the last seven months because there's there's nothing that that really there's nothing that really jumps out at me with if i think of his wwe career there's nothing where they never gave him the ball they never they never trusted him and said i i suppose what i will remember is is stuff where like if he's working with cena then because it's funny because like um cena having posted my work the other day um which is bizarre uh, but going onto <laughs> Cena's page and seeing that he he put up a, a screen grab of um, I think it's uh, Brody Brody giving him like a head scissors takeover or something like that like which which given the, the size of the dude is like absolutely incredible and I do always remember the the fun parts of those Wyatt family matches were, was when um, was when like Eric Rowan was out of there Bray Wyatt was out of there and it was Cena and Luke Harper going at it. I really did enjoy that. Like, I think they had really good chemistry and I think they did really good stuff. Um, and and, it, and I do feel, like I said earlier, I do feel bad um, consistently booing. Like part of going to those roars after Mania, part of it was 
was booing Cena. That was like one of the most fun things that we used to do. This is like like four or five years ago. Um, and I'm sure there's many people in the world that will claim this. But I'm actually friends with the guy who came up with, well, he didn't get, come up with it, but the guy who got over the um, John Cena sucks song. Um, <laughs> it's a guy called Damian Gonzalez. And I, I like 100% believe this. We, um, he, he was at a, um, at a Raw, I think it was in New York somewhere, but he was at a Raw and heard a couple of people singing John Cena sucks to the John Cena theme tune. And they tried to get it over and it didn't work. And there was one mania a week where Damien was like, there's this thing, it's so funny. I'm going to try and get it over. And we were all like, yeah, sure, well, we'll help you. There's actually a scientific study that I saw that if seven people in a football stadium start chanting something, seven's the magic number to make it actually catch on. So and there was more than seven people in our group. And, and, and like, I, I, like, I didn't know Damien. So like, me and my girlfriend just used to go out to the States on our own and just meet people. And I think that's one of the things I love about wrestling is like the open community and how incredible, like how incredibly friendly it can be. And so just, yeah, I met Damien. I met, um, I probably listeners to this podcast will probably be aware of Darnell Mitchell, who um, he actually dresses a lot of, um, he's a stylist for a lot of uh, kind of NXT roster wrestlers and, and a lot of, of um, workers on the independent scene as well. But um, so I've met like lifelong friends through through going to these mania weekends. But yeah, Damien was like, I'm going to get this over. And we sat in, we tried to do it at mania. It was too big. We couldn't get it over. And then one Monday night raw, we all started singing John Cena stuff. We got the entire arena singing it. And I credit it a hundred percent to Damien because then once one of those things happens on a raw before mania, it then goes on and, and it catches on and it catches fire and then it becomes a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I was glad to be present for that moment. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I, I went on a huge tangent there. But um, I love it, man. I love it. It's all good. <laughs> but, um, when I seen him at um, at different events and stuff, it, it he's not typically going to be the person that you're that you're talking about. Um, same same like same another person that comes to mind would be like a Rusev. Um, when he's out there, you're like, this guy is like working amazingly like he's doing really well but we we all knew that they're never gonna give him the full push and that's always the that's always the 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 kind of cloud over your head where you're like let's not get too invested in this guy because we know that they're not ever going to do anything with them and so we're going to feel let down so let's just not waste our energy so i so i guess like luke harper was was one of those people so it wasn't until his AEW run that I could then then you've got something to get behind then you're like okay I can support this guy I can buy his t-shirt and not feel silly for wearing it because I know he's not going to be made to look like a nerd in in a few weeks time when they've given up and changed the idea on him I've been very anti-WWE in this uh, podcast <laughs> um I, I and like <laughs> I have actually got um I have actually got some work coming up with WWE so um they are a great company. Let me just say that for the record. WWE, big fan. Um, but just there's a few little things booking-wise that I, I would do differently. But what do I know? Just a silly mural artist. You guys are just... You wouldn't be buying tickets if you weren't supporting the company. So uh, I think they could count you in as a full-fledged fan for sure. Last thing I really want to ask you, man. Um, our own grief as fans for Brody, it certainly just pales in comparison 
to those who, who knew him. If you were speaking to someone who knew Brody right now, what would you want to say to them? I think that legacy is the most important thing that we have. And it took me a long time to realize that. Um, and I feel like on this planet, I'm only just finding my purpose. For a long time, I didn't think that I could change people's lives by making paintings. And I'm starting to realize that I can actually do that. And I can actually have a profound impact on people. And I get messages from people saying, like, your artwork is brightening up my lockdown. And thank you for that. And Brody is one of those people that had found his purpose. And, and he's, he has left a legacy. And the legacy is how you make people feel. And I would encourage every single person to find their passion, find the thing that sets them on fire. I mean, that's what my podcast is about every week is, is tapping into that, is finding what you love, going after it 100%. And then the, the people that you meet, helping as many people as you can along the way, impacting them positively. And that's, for me, that there's... There's a very short list. As a fan, there's a very short list of wrestlers that you know are good guys. People like your Daniel Bryans, that everyone just knows that's a good person. And Brody obviously was that, unless every single person that has been interviewed <laughs> in the past month was lying, like which they weren't. Like Brody was an absolutely excellent dude. So as as painful as it is our job is to foster that legacy and just pay tribute to who to someone who was obviously a fully amazing person um and that's as as human beings on this planet for a blink of our, an eye which is all we're all going to be that's that's the greatest thing we can do is create our own legacy and honor other people's so i would just say to anyone fucking whoever you've lost, because we've all lost a lot of people during this time. And whether it's, it's family of Brody um, or someone who's, who's lost someone recently, I'm not a grief counsellor. I have no experience in that world, but just from a fellow human being, just take credit in their memory, honouring their memory of the great person that they were. Take solace that, although they're no longer here, what they did while they were alive was, worthwhile and was important and that's that's all we can do i think well said man thank you for saying it and you know thank you for sharing your art with the world and of course thank you for taking the time to do this podcast with me before i let you go please take a moment to uh just like put yourself over let us know where the audience can follow you on social media and of course you mentioned your podcast be sure to throw that in too absolutely no um thank you zach it's always it's always fun wrestling and I, I don't get to do it often we were going to do a um a watch along weren't we and i just wasn't emotionally up to um to sitting through a brody match so um, i do apologize for the listeners no no not at all dude don't no worries yeah we're all obviously feeling like kind of raw at the moment i yeah i just don't think i could i could watch him in a match um but um but yeah so put myself over um my my podcast each week is is the only thing that i really care about promoting in my life because um it's it's the it's my purpose it's the thing that i'm doing that is that is changing people's lives um essentially i was told for a very long time that being an artist was not a valid career option and that i should be i was specifically told by an art tutor someone who should be encouraging and and 
pushing me to, to become my best actually told me that art was not a realistic career option for me. Um, luckily, I didn't listen to that and I've actually managed to carve out quite a nice career as an artist. And so my podcast is basically helping people to do that, not just as an artist, but a creative of any sort. So if you are a poet, if you are a dancer, um, if you review pro wrestling, um, if you like whatever it is that you do that you love, that can be your career. And even though even the thing that you think can't be your career, it absolutely can because we have the Internet. Um, we have just so much technology at our, our disposal. And once we learn how to utilize that properly, once we learn how to properly market ourselves and get our work out there, then that's how we will be able to sustain ourselves. So my podcast each week, we interview a different creative um, talking about their journey, because once you see how they've done it, you can work out how you can do it. Um, and we, and like, it's completely varied from like cake makers to painters, to sculptors, to like literally any, any kind of creative career. Um, but there's, there's bits in, bits in each, there's bits in each interview that you'll be able to take away and apply to your craft. The podcast is called Creative Rebels. Um, and yeah, we do, we do an episode each week. That's, uh, that's the only thing that I'd like people to check out because they would, um, they might get something from it. Um, you can also check out my artwork. I'm on Instagram at David Speed UK. I'm also on Twitter and TikTok at David Speed UK. Outstanding, man. Um, one last time. Thank you for your time. This was, this was a great chat. My pleasure. That was David Speed joining me on today's episode discussing the um, beautiful, beautiful portrait and celebrating the, the amazing man that was John Hubber. As David mentioned at the end of the episode, this was originally going to be a watch-along episode. Uh, I had chosen a Brody Lee match, uh, but I think it's for the best that we instead just spent the time celebrating Brody Lee um, in our own small way on this uh, on this humble podcast. So once again, David, thank you so much for, for bringing that conversation to our show. Follow David on Instagram. It's at DavidSpeedUK. You can take in his artwork there, but also check out Creative Rebels, his podcast that he co-hosts. Um, I gave it a listen in researching this episode, and uh, like he is such an interesting guy. Very interesting, very intelligent, and we only scratched the surface of that on this show. Check out Creative Rebels. I think you're going to enjoy it. To my fellow Brody Lee fans out there, um, this has been a difficult time even knowing him as distantly, and I can't put a fine point on that, but as distantly as we did. I haven't mourned a wrestler like this since uh, since Eddie Guerrero passed. And at times I felt a little at odds with myself in my mourning. <laughs> I, I was essentially mourning a stranger, uh, you know, uh, someone I've seen on TV. But I don't know why I felt so at odds. But eventually I did come to terms with, uh, with it when I realized why I was hurting as badly as I was. And I'm sharing it now, hoping that it might resonate with anyone who feels the way I just described. I realized that the pain was real because it was a manifestation of empathy for those who loved John, which which is to say everyone who ever knew him. Everyone has been sharing these beautiful stories all across the wrestling industry about how stand-up of a guy he was and how there was no ego with him and, uh, and how much he loved his wife and kids. You would be hard-pressed to keep count the number of beautiful stories that have been shared about him by those who knew him. I will miss watching Brody Lee but my heart breaks for those who knew and loved John Hubber, and that is a whole lot of people that my heart breaks for. 
So now's the time I would usually promote my social media and all that, but you know where to find me at this point, and I don't feel like it. Uh, but I will say thank you for listening to this episode, and um, thank you for catching my conversation with David Speed. We're going to be back next week. Till then, friends. This has been a Two Finger Guns Club production. Pew, pew.